Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. Two, two things. There's a prophetic word during worship. A lot of what we were singing this morning, it mentioned in each of the songs just around darkness. And, and perhaps for, for some people in the room this morning, there's a sense just of where you're at at the minute. It just feels that there's a heavy weight of darkness at the moment, that there's a weightiness at the moment, that it just feels like that it's all consuming, even in your mind. Uh, and the word this morning is that there's hope. The light is coming. Victory is there in Jesus. This is what we want to speak into this morning. And the other thing I just really feel, obviously, is Robbie has led us this morning, just in, this is Palm Sunday, um, and, and it's been beautiful just reflecting on Jesus and Jesus' posture in Palm Sunday. But, you know, for us, and uh, when you see, when we read about how the crowds, the crowds who very easily got caught in the motion and we just caught up just in what felt like was right, just being able to sing, Hosanna. Blessing, blessing to the one. And yet you flick over the pages a couple later and it's the same people are saying, crucify him. And this morning, what I really feel actually, even as we go into our passage this morning, we've been on the, the parable of the sower. And um, I really feel what the Lord really wants to just leave us with as we conclude this series this morning is just what it really means to do with genuine faith. What genuine faith in Jesus looks like? What is the call that he's bringing to our lives afresh this morning? And there's something that the Lord really wants to, to stir in this. And so at the end, we're going to try and leave some space. I really want to do this this morning just to really pray into this. You know, so I want to say that if this morning that prophetic word sits with you, that we're going to be responding to different things. So don't worry, we're not going to be trying to call you out on that. But this morning, I would love if you sense that word, that there's a measure of darkness that perhaps you're feeling at the moment, we would love to pray for you at the end, and we would love to just see the Lord move in some of those different ways. And yeah, listen, as we've, we've been on this over the last number of weeks, it's been brilliant. We've had some great feedback um, about this series. I'm just making sure I'm standing on the right mark here. And we've had some great feedback about the series. Um, and it's just been so life-given, just sitting with the words of Jesus, with the teaching of Jesus that he brings through this parable. Remember the thing that's so significant. Jesus says, there's something huge about this. He says, this one is important that you get in this parable. And this morning, we want to just try and draw this all together and this idea of cultivating. And if I was to try and just speak one, one or two words that just tries to summarize everything we're about to say this morning. I just feel that it's really about this. I felt that this is the word that I want to speak this morning. There's a better yes for us. There's a better yes for us in our lives that needs framed, that needs named, that needs our focus, that needs our attention. And this morning, what I want to call out to you in the name of Jesus is that there is a better yes for us all. One of the big teaching points, let me just share just a couple of these. One of the big teaching points for us was simply that this was not a lesson that Jesus was trying to just speak about what it actually was to get saved. 
um, that it wasn't just focused on the beginning moment of our relationship with him, but this was a teach that was applicable to every season of life. And so you remember it back towards the beginning. Sorry, the back's come off the, the back of this and I'm playing away with it. Um, you remember towards the, the beginning of the series, we read this verse that was in Genesis and it said this, as long as the earth endures, seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night will never cease. Those words, not just in the physical but also I believe in the spiritual seed time and harvest, they will never cease. We have a father who constantly wants to seed and constantly wants to harvest and he wants to then seed new things into our lives and then he wants to harvest. He wants to seed more into our lives. He wants to harvest. He wants to bring the fruit of that in our lives. We have a good God and a he constantly, as he does this, and so the, the, the big focus for us, I guess, then has been around this. We've been asking this question, what is the condition of the soil? What is the condition of the heart? And the thing that I was trying to pose at the beginning of this was this, each type of soil can be present in any season. And as we conclude today, I guess this is what we want to take away and to be asking this question, God, what's going on in my heart right now? What's the condition right now? Not what it was at the beginning. What's it right now? Father, I'm asking you to lead me from where I'm at right now. And this is why the writer of Proverbs would say this, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. Here, the seriousness and significance of those words, above all else, guard your heart. Everything you do flows from it. And in all the series, we've seen the responsibility that we have to cultivate, to tend to the condition. And as we close today, we, we finish with the reason why. I remember growing up, my mom and dad are sitting in the front row here, so this is not just about our, our family. We had some really good open conversations growing up. But obviously growing up in a, in a more perhaps traditional reform background, I remember we were very, very heavy to, um, on the focus of the things that as believers that we had to say no to. And it's really important they're aware of that, that there are certain things that the Lord wants to lead us and to say, actually, these are the certain things we need to put off. These are the things we need to put to death. And yet, what I know more than anything and what we need to hear this morning is ultimately your no is not the thing that will lead you to life. Saying no to certain things is not what ultimately will bring fullness of life. And what we need to hear this morning is that your no that you're giving is because it's set alongside a better yes. Our focus, if our focus is simply, oh, what are the things today that I need to say no to that I cannot do? We miss out on the fullness of life that comes from actually giving ourselves to the better yes. And today, as we conclude the series, this is where I want to just draw our focus and draw our attention. There is a better yes for all of us in our lives. As Christians, again, we can usually teach on the significance of the things that we shouldn't. But our Father, listen to this, my Father is a great Father. Your Father is a great Father. What He has for us is not restrictive. What He has, we actually see in the words of Jesus, His Son, is this, is that He ultimately wants to lead us into fruitfulness. It is 30, 60, 60 100-fold what was, what was planted. And what we need to hear is this, and this is this is big for us. Ultimately, what Jesus is saying in this, this is miracle territory. This is miracle territory. Yeah, we can believe in the miracles of the, of the massive, the huge things, but what God has for us to step into, the 30, the 60, 100, this 
is the beginning of a stepping into and a, and a frequent encounter of it. This is miracle territory. You shouldn't normally produce a crop that's a hundredfold. Phil talked about that last week. Even with like the best fertilizers, whatever it might be, you would never get this. And yet Jesus says it's accessible. It's possible. This is why Paul would pick it up to the church in Ephesus. He would say these words now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ask or imagine how according to his power that is at work within us. This is miracle territory. This is where we suddenly need to start lifting our expectation and our belief and what God can do. This is the fruit of what the seed can produce in our lives. We said there's, there's nothing wrong with the seed, what God wants to bring into our lives and into the lives of others exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever think. And yet often in our best thoughts, I don't know about you, but it's so easy to belittle and to limit what God can possibly do. And so I want to ask just a couple of questions. What does a 100-fold expectation look like in our lives and in the lives of others. So for example, we're, tonight's the last night of Alpha. We've been praying 800 odd names still in this basket. But what does a 100 fold expectation look like in belief for people to be saved? Who is there in your life that perhaps as we try to almost downplay it, we think, oh, they just seem way beyond it. I don't know if they could ever get saved. And yet this is the invitation for us all. This is miracle territory. There's exceedingly, abundantly more than we could ever think or hope or imagine. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly according to the work, the power that is at work within us and in the lives of others. Let's raise our expectation. This is what this parable teaches me. Let's raise our expectation and ensure that we are actually praying with faith, that we are actually praying with belief. We need to trust the power of the gospel. Jonathan Conrath told us that and spoke about it. We don't need to just simply explain the gospel. We just need to proclaim the gospel. We need to release the gospel. It's simply our responsibility as disciples to go and make them known, to sow the seeds and trust the power of the seed in anyone's life. What does a 100-fold expectation look like, even in measures of healing? What does it look like? Again, we need to lift our expectation and to pray with faith. Mark chapter 4 is where we've been reading about this parable primarily. And in the very next chapter, Jesus starts to outwork, even with his disciples, what a 100-fold expectation of this actually looks like in healing. There's a man called Jairus, and his daughter is really unwell. And he's coming to Jesus because he's desiring for his daughter to be healed. And in the midst of it, as Jesus is going to try and heal his daughter, there's a woman with a bleed, and she comes, and Jesus is not an interruption. Jesus stops, and she's healed. And in the middle of it, this is what we read in Mark chapter 5. While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher? Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told them, don't be afraid, just believe. Just a faith. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him 
After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the little girl stood up, began to walk around. She was 12 years old. As this, or at this, they were completely astonished. We need faith in the power of God and his kingdom is crucial. And yet what Jesus does in this is that Jesus empties the room. Jesus empties the atmosphere of disbelief, of a lack of faith. Jesus puts the things that are not believing in faith out of the room. And he brings with him people who were, who were, um, who were partnering in faith in this moment. And guys, this is really important for us is that as we want to continue to journey in faith, it's important that you surround yourself with people who will encourage faith. It's important that we silence the voices that will want to almost belittle the expectation of faith that we can believe in. The things that you're believing God for, you need to surround yourself with people who will encourage and will partner with you in that faith journey. He's able to do exceedingly abundantly more than we could ever think. It's why Jesus would even say it as well, we need to have expectation for what he can do in and through our lives. And Jesus says, if you even have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And so the question, as we close this series, is while there's a work of cultivating to do, and yes, we need to contend to, or tend to the condition of our heart, the thing we need to be asking is, is this, what is our better yes? What's the better yes that we want to hold front and center that is almost like the thing that drives us every single day? Many, many of the big companies, they have things called mottos that is almost like everyone recognizes them by, by these mottos. So for example, many of you all know this, Tesco's. What's, what's Tesco's motto? Every little helps, right? And the whole idea is that you have this framed in your mind, you go in and it's like with your club card, even if it's just a few pennies, every little helps. We're not going to complain when it's just a few pennies because every little helps. It's this motto that almost drives a narrative. McDonald's. Any of you want to sing it? No? And you know what it's like sometimes even with the type of food that's in McDonald's, we're, we're loving it because this is the motto, right? It's like this is the feel-good feeling. Nike. Just do it. And so the whole idea, you know, you get yourself dressed in this, you can do it. Just do it. And the reason, the reason why I wanted to get to this one and I feel that this is important. It's almost like, what, what, what's our takeaway? In terms of where we're going, even off the back of this series, what is our takeaway? What are we holding front and center above us and in front of us? And when it comes to this idea of, of, of Nike's motto, just do it, I, I grew on Monday night, had a great conversation with Neil McClellan. Neil McClellan's an amazing guy. If you've never had a com have a conversation with Neil sometime, um, we, we just had started having this great conversation just about the word. We started chatting about a passage in 2 Peter, and it was brilliant. And we started, Neil just mentioned this word, and it hasn't left me all week, just this word, do. And in my head, as I've just been like meditating on it and just thinking about it, it's like, God, this is the sort of thing I want to hold front and center. This is the sort of thing I want to have like a motto over my life. This is where I want to be, like, to allow this to be a takeaway, that it's much more than just a, those are nice words that we've heard in this series, but actually, how do we actually step into this? And just two words, two areas I just want to leave us with as we close this series, and then we're going to pray. And then this, the very first thing is that ultimately the first part of this word do is, um, 
that we can hold and take away with us is around the area of dependency. Who or what are we dependent on in our lives? As a Christian, as a believer, what are you actually being dependent on? The condition of our heart and the state of our soul is hugely dependent on what we give ourselves to. What's the focus of our heart? Alan Hirsch, um, he's, he's, he's a great guy. He just writes a lot about discipleship. I read a lot of his stuff over the years. And he, I was at a talk that he did years ago at Belfast Bible College. And I shared in this a good number of years ago. And as I was reflecting on this during the week, my mind went back to it. And at that stage, he was saying, you know, often in our journey with Jesus and our journey as a disciple, as our journey as a believer, Sometimes we can frame our minds in terms of what it is to engage with church, what it is to engage with God in, in one of two different ways. And he names this first one. He says, often we can think about it in a bounded set mindset. And in that, what we do is, is that we've almost narrowed it down in a simplistic sort of way to around this. Faith is about who's in and who's out. That's what we see it as, who's in and who's out. For those that are in, this is what we think it's around. If, if you believe the same as us, if you behave the same as us, then you can belong. That's ultimately sometimes what people think around when it comes to church. If you believe the same of us as you behave the same of us, then you can belong. And yet it leaves me asking this sort of question, well, what happens? What happens if I make a mistake? What happens if I have perhaps a slight crisis of faith where I'm suddenly starting to question some of the things, you know, that I've held to or maybe other people in the, in the church that we belong to has held to? But what happens even if I've had a slip in some area of sin? Am I now out? And if I end up out, how do I get back in again? Many people often in the journey of faith that this is what it's been like. It throws away a true understanding of grace, which the writer of Proverbs had got a bit of an insight into when he said these words, the godly may trip seven times, but they will get up again. And so instead of, of focusing in this way, it's important simply to realize we are all on this journey. And this is what this whole parable has been about in this journey that we're on. That's why we're saying it's a constant journey. It's in every season. It's not just about what it was at the beginning. It's in every season we need to be measuring and examining ourselves. How are we getting on in the journey? And so what Alan Hirsch would describe then is this idea of a centered set model where Jesus is at the center. This is the focus. This is the goal. This is what we're setting front and center of our lives. He is the one that we are dependent on. And each and every one of us, every single day, there's a further step that we're taking, step after step after step. This is what the Bible talks about. We're all being changed from one degree of glory to another, that each and every day, this is the invitation and the hope of the Father, that as we grow closer and closer to his Son, we are changed into his likeness. We change to become more and more and more like him. That's a journey that we're on a faith. It's not just about what it was at the beginning, but it's about how are we continuing on in the journey. There are those, of course, that we know in our lives that maybe just feel like a long way away. There's people who maybe just feel a bit more on the outside where they've just no engagement or no knowledge even of God. There's people who might be atheists who just believe and completely deny any existence of God. There's others who maybe just seem much, much further on, closer to what Jesus might be. And yet, 
what he says in this, and this is where I just want to just lead us this morning, is that actually what's the most important thing each and every day for us, regardless of where we feel we're at, even in that wheel and in that diagram, is this. What are we orientating ourselves around? What is our focus? Is our gaze towards Jesus? Is he the one that's front and center? Is he the one that we're hoping to be and, and being led by and guided by? Is he the one that we are dependent on? Is he the one that we are looking to for, for guidance and everything else? Or are we orientated away? Is our focus and gaze on other things? Suddenly do we become dependent on other people and on other things to be able to lead us? And this is why as, as the disciples journeyed, I, I often ask myself this question, you know, I believe, of course, that repentance is crucial. We need to have that beginning point where we repent of our sin, you know, but the Bible actually never, ever, ever once do we read about any of the disciples praying the sinner's prayer. The simple invitation that Jesus gave and still gives today is this, follow me. I'm front and center in your life. I'm leading you into the next part. Follow me. There does come a point where Jesus has this confession, or Peter has this confession. He says to Jesus, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. And the confession of our heart is important. It's important that we confess Jesus as Lord. But in this idea, it's one thing to confess Jesus as Lord, but it's another, day, it's another thing to actually outlive what it means. And as we hold Jesus front and center, as we hold him as our better yes, as God, what are you saying? What are you leading me into? How can I give my yes to you, Jesus? This is what the life of a believer, the life of a disciple is all about. And this is why in our lives, and this is what we're learning from the parable, it's important that we examine our heart and see what God's doing. The focus day and daily isn't about are we in or out as believers, but how are we orientating ourselves? What are we giving our heart, our attention to? What is the focus of our lives? What are we depending on? And ultimately, this is why David, these well-known words, Psalm 23, would pray this. Lord is my shepherd. I have all that I need. He lets me rest in green meadows. He leads me beside peaceful streams. He renews my strength. He guides me along right paths, bringing honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid for you are close beside me. Jesus, your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You prepare a face for me in the presence of my enemies. You honor me by anointing my head with oil. My cup overflows with blessings. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. This is where David, the psalmist, was holding you. I'm dependent on you. I'm giving my everything to you. My yes is to you. And yet, I don't know about you, but how often in our lives we know these great words in our heads and it feels like it just sometimes it hasn't fully arrested our hearts and we become dependent on other things for satisfaction, for leading, for guiding. And remember everything we're saying. There's 30, 60, 100 full fruit that's available. Living in a daily engagement of miracle territory, it's available in our lives. 
but how much do we actually desire it? And in this cultural moment, this is where we need to be careful of the deception that can so easily slip in. Helen, Helen Johnson from our life group on Wednesday night, she, she just read, it was, she read this to us. It was like a, it was another passage. And it was another way of viewing the psalm. And what can so easily happen for us in our lives, regardless of what age we're at? It's, I know we have some of the young ones in with us this morning. You might feel that some of these things might feel a bit more applicable to you. But for all of us, whatever age, whatever season of life we are at, the dependency that we have, we need to recognize this on a daily basis. You see, you can so easily slip away. We know these words, and this is a really well-known psalm. You might know it in your head. But what we actually can choose to give ourselves to can be slightly different. And Helen read this to us on Wednesday night, and it was like, it was starting to get me to question myself. And this is what she read instead. My smartphone is my shepherd. I still want more. I stare at it in green pastures. I text instead of looking at the still waters. It drains my soul. It leads me in the paths of unrighteousness for the opposite. Yeah, though I walk through the valley of no likes, I will not fear. I know young people usually freak out about that one, don't they? I will not fear, for my smartphone is with me. Snapchat and Instagram, they comfort me. My smartphone prepares a fake world for me in the presence of reality. It anoints my head with secular humanism. My discontent runs over. Surely laziness and comparison shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the cyber world, looking down at my smartphone forever. It's pretty hard hitting, isn't it? And the subtleness of sometimes when the gaze and the focus of our attention is given to other things and it can lead to all of these things that just steals and robs and kills and destroys. And yet the Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He's the focus and attention of my life and what it should be every day. And so the question I'm just asking firstly is, how dependent are we on him? How much of our time and attention do we give to other things, even in the subtleness and even with our phones and different things like that? How the enemy just wants to come in to steal, kill, destroy. Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. Imagine with all fullness and all confidence being able to say that because, because Jesus is my shepherd, I like nothing. Even as we go through moments of difficulty, financial difficulties, health difficulties, because he is my shepherd, I like nothing. I have him with me. I'm dependent on him. And then obviously, just as we get to the final part of this, there's much more than just the dependency of what God's saying. But then finally, this, the O and the do, is just simply obedience. We're not just hearers of the words, but we're doers. Jesus says this, and, and Luke, Luke writes this in Jesus' account of the Beatitudes. And it says this, why do you, these are the words of Jesus, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell, tell you? Everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against that house. Listen to those words, the stream. It's not like raging, raging river. 
even in a small way. A stream broke against that house and could not shake it because it was well built. But the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on the ground without a foundation. When the stream broke against it, immediately it fell. And the ruin of that house was great. Even in the big and the small, these things can come against us. To step into this level of encounter and engagement, we need to know he is able. But we also need to know this, we have a responsibility. Phil always talked over the years, you know, about the two parallel tracks that run. We fully believe in the sovereignty of God. I want you to hear that we believe that God is sovereign. He is over everything. And yet what God also gives us is free will. And the sovereignty of God and the free will of mankind run as almost like two parallel tracks that run beside one another. God can step in at any time. Of course, he is sovereign. He does and he can and he will. But yet God has delegated to us and entrusts to us. We have this free will and this is what we need to be asking ourselves with the free will and the choice that we have. It's like how dependent are we? Be yet how willing are we to not just be hearers of the word? but to be doers. And so what's God been saying to you in your life? What are some of the things that the Lord's been asking you and speaking to you and provoking you about, perhaps in an area of sin, perhaps around a relationship, perhaps around something to do with your work, perhaps to do with a family member, whatever it might be? What has the Lord been speaking to you? How dependent are you in actually asking him, Father, what do you want me to do in this? how our go-to can be our phone or Google or other people, and yet our first thing in our dependency should be him. God, you're my shepherd. Would you lead me? I'm bringing this to you, my request to you. Yes, we want to surround ourselves with wise people in our lives as well, but it's he is front and center. And because you have said it, God, even when it looks like it is just the silliest and stupidest thing, even though in, the, in human wisdom it just looks like foolishness, because you have said it, I'm going to be obedient. And this is where Jesus and the promise of this as we cultivate, as we examine our hearts, this is the promise, what's available, 30, 60, 100-fold. You need to hear this. These are more than just nice words. This is available, 30, 60, 100-fold. But my question to you, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do about it? Day and daily, how we position and what we position before us. The old hymn writer would have said this, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Jesus coined it slightly different in the Beatitudes, and he simply said these words, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. And here, this, this, is, this is just done. Johnny and the guys, can you come up just and lead us just in this final part? Listen to the words of Jesus just as we close. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst. You need to know that this idea and the principle of hungering and thirsting, even if you've had one meal and one drink, it doesn't suffice. Hunger and thirst is the body's way of telling us that we need more. Blessed are those who actually want more, who hunger and thirst in a daily way. It's like, God, I'm so thankful for what happened yesterday, but God, in this day, I long for more as we hunger and thirst for righteousness. Young people in the room, older people, this big word just simply is, God, because of what you're saying, I want to live rightly according to what you say. That's what righteousness is. 
Because you say this, this is how I choose to outwork my life. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. And here's the promise for us. You will be satisfied. And so as we go back to this, Johnny and the guys are going to lead. One of the words that was given at the start was around this feeling of darkness, perhaps emptiness. And you know what you need to hear today in this, an offer of satisfaction afresh. Perhaps an offer of renewal, an opportunity of renewal. As we come to the end of this series as well, we've looked at the different conditions of the soils. We've looked at, you know, the thorny grounds, the rocky ground. And today, listen, what I would love is that even as we worship Johnny and the guys, are just going to lead us in this song, um, Hungry I Come to You. But I would just love that today, if you would just love to respond, and listen, I'm not going to name these specifically so people know that you're, this is what you're coming down for, but today, if you want to respond off the end of the series in terms of God, even if it's a, I want to dedicate myself afresh, God, in this moment, I want to say, God, I'm choosing to place you first. I'm choosing to put you first in my life. I'm choosing to set aside those other things that I recognize that I've become dependent on and I'm choosing to put you first. If this morning it's actually, oh no, I recognize without word that there's an area within me that just feels a, the weight of darkness and I would love prayer for that. If today it's just coming just because you just want to just respond to God in your own way, I would love to encourage you to come to the front during worship. We would love to get praying. We're here at the front. Some of the elders are here as well. I'd love to get a chance to get praying with you this morning. We have about three, four minutes left just to sing this song. But this is our commitment. Guys, listen, sermon series, these words of Jesus are much more than just to tickle our ears. They're much more than just to fill our minds with knowledge. There has to be an outworking of this. And this is where the words of Jesus, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for you will be satisfied. This morning, let's, let's stand and let's just sing this. As hungry I come to you. If this is your heart, let's worship from a genuine place of God. I'm hungry for you, genuinely hungry for you to move in my life. And again, place this space at the front. Come forward if you need prayer, want us to pray into any of these different areas. We would love just to close this off. And then Robbie's going to come and just close at the very end for us. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk